Thanks for joining us today to hear our latest Hope Central podcast. We trust this message will help you know more about Jesus and inspire you to be more like Him. with so many of you and I really looked forward to coming this weekend. Had a, a good time with the men yesterday and I love the kingdom of God. I love just not a local church but the whole church. I love what God's doing and yesterday morning I came here, I had all these notes and I just felt my heart go somewhere else in just sharing with the men and in my own heart I felt I think God's doing something in people's hearts that's deep today and I felt quite um, humbled by it. And then on the way home, um, I get a phone call. I, I got a message, a WhatsApp text message from a church in Brisbane. And they said, Pastor Danny, for the last hour, we've been interceding for you. And how awesome is that? You know, sometimes we get up here and we turbo teeth away and, you know, and we think we've really got the goods. Uh, but the older I get and the more I walk with Jesus, I realise if he doesn't show up, you know, we're just giving a talk. But we don't want to talk that doesn't affect our walk. And I uh, said, Lord, I don't want to preach if I don't reach. And so there you go. You like that? Okay. And so uh, one of the less anointed things I do when I speak is tell dad jokes. (laughs) And at my age, I'm allowed to. And I can't even remember the ones I told yesterday. But my wife sent me a card the other day. It was a get better soon card. She said, I know you're not sick. You just need to be better. (laughs) And... I wrote back and said, you need to embrace your mistakes. And she gave me a hug. So, you know, (laughs) the police knocked on my door the other day and they said, you know, your dogs are creating so much trouble in the street. They've been chasing people on bikes and people are just going crazy. You need to lock them up. I said, well, they can't be my dogs because my dogs don't have bikes. So, you know... (laughs) I think that was a better response than I got from the men yesterday. But it's so, so good to be with you and uh, to be able to share more from my heart today uh, the things that are very real to me. And I'm a great believer that you transfer who you are. You don't just transfer information. And so for me today, what I'm going to share, it's so, so simple. I know you have a great teaching house here and and I really love that because we need teaching back in the house of God. People don't know their Bibles anymore. We need to get back to truth, not just touch and all those things. But having said that, I want to share a little bit of my own journey and if I can give a title to my message today, it's just simply what's happening? What's happening? It's a question that's asked all the time. I meet every week with a whole bunch of community leaders that are not churchgoers, and they ask me all the time, what's happening to our world? What's happening around us? And just for a few moments, I'd like to talk about the condition of where we're at right now, but what causes us to be in this condition? But thank God there's a cure. Thank God that we have a cure. When we look around, I had a I was telling the men, uh, share some of the things I shared yesterday. I had a psychiatrist, a top psychiatrist, sit in my office about three or four weeks ago and just cried on my shoulder because his daughter had just committed suicide. 17 years of age. And he and his wife says, you've lost a son. 
can you please tell us how do we ever handle this grief? And somehow all the intellectual training, while I'm not against any of that, is not enough when the world is hurting so bad. Things have changed, not for the better. My daughter's 40 now. When she was 16, I took her with me on a trip to America where I was speaking for Pastor Bayless Conley. Some of you may watch him online, an awesome man of God in California, and I was doing their youth camp. And when I used to do youth camps as a youth pastor, I know this may sound a bit corny, but I used to have a wedding service at the end of each meeting. And I'd ask kids to come and get married to Jesus. And then they would come down the aisle and they would grab a microphone and they'd go, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, we're going to marry you, Jesus, and stay faithful to you. And then I would say to the young people, and guess what? Jesus will never divorce you because he signed the wedding certificate with his blood. And we have kids just crying. And, and, you know, the amount of times I've been stopped in airports by people I don't remember anymore and saying, you don't know us, but our son, in fact, I was in London in uh, the Qantas Club where a guy comes up to me and he goes, are you Danny? I said, yeah, I am. He said, oh, you did a camp in Toowoomba, Queensland. My two sons went down the front and did the marriage thing. I just want you to know, Pastor Danny, they are pastors today. And, and said to me at a time when I'd just lost my son and stuff, stuff wasn't great. He goes, I just want you to know, don't give up. Don't give up. At a time that I was feeling like giving up. And the world can dish up some sad things to us. And I was at that camp doing this kind of service. And over three nights, three people came to me and asked me a question. On the first night, there was a young guy who was about 12, young kid, got a big Bible under his arm and he goes, Pastor Danny, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, will you be my dad? He goes, will you be my dad? And I go, look, I'd love to, but I'm not gonna be here for much longer. He goes, yeah, my dad's in jail. And I lived with my granddad, and this is his Bible, but he died a few months ago. I take this Bible everywhere. I miss my granddad, and I don't have a dad. And when you were doing that wedding thing and you were speaking, I thought maybe you could be my dad. I went to my room and cried my eyes out. And God asked me a question. Will you give your life to a fatherless generation? I said, Lord, I don't know how, but I will, if you help me. The following night, and this is, it sounds stretched, but it's the truth. The following night, a young lady came up to me. She was about 19. She says, Pastor Danny, can I talk to you? And I, we were in Bear Mountain. It was just log cabins. And I got a lady counsellor to come and sit with me and her, and we sat on a log outside my room. She goes, Pastor Danny, I'm 19. I've been with so many men, I don't know who I am anymore. You see, when I was a kid, mum walked out and left us, and later dad abandoned us, and I've raised my 14-year-old sister, and I live with her, and we, I feel like I don't know what love is. And you know, when you did that wedding thing, I thought maybe, maybe Jesus will marry me, and maybe I can be pure again. She goes, but can I ask you a question? She goes, will you be my dad? <laughs> I thought, wow, what's going on here? The next night it happened again a young man about 30 years of age. 
He says, Pastor Danny, I've smoked so much weed and I've taken so much drugs and I've fried my brains. And he goes, and I, I don't know who I am, but when you spoke about all of us can have a purpose, I thought maybe I could just pick people up and bring them to youth and maybe I can go and cut the lawns at the church and you just gave me that sense that I can have direction again because I wish you were my dad three times. And I felt God say, will you give your life to a fatherless generation? I never knew that in December 2016, I had a pastor preaching where I was pastoring at the time and, and Pastor Rick Shelton from America, staying in our home. He comes and lays hands on me at about 11 o'clock at night. He'd been out praying. He goes, God just gave me a word for you, Danny, and He's asking you to father a new generation. Within three days from now, you're gonna, your phone's going to start ringing from all over the world of young couples and young pastors saying, will you father us? And I said, wow. You know, I, I've always had that in my heart. Didn't know it was going to grow to this level. Three days later, the first phone call, a youth pastor from Sydney in an Anglican church going, I've heard about you, I don't know you, could I ask you to mentor me and father me? December 2016, sorry, 15. January the 22nd, my son gets killed. Just imagine the trauma of that thought of being a father to generations, but you lose your own son. I tell you, that wasn't an easy journey. And I'm sure you'll appreciate that. And a sense of giving up and go, why be a father to so many when you lose your own? And yet, in the midst of all that grief and pain, which I touched a little bit on last time I was with you, I stand here one year later and saying it's not easier, but it is worth it as I'm watching an army of young people right now rise up that are saying we want to change the world for the better. Because the condition of our world is not good. Cancel culture and woke culture has paralysed people to be too afraid to speak up and ask questions with the fear of being attacked and abused. There's so much anger out there. There's so much uh, people are disappointed with life. People don't they have a short fuse now. Post-COVID, people are just not having the resilience they used to have. We were having a chat before the meeting and we're shocked at the amount of pastors around the world that want to resign right now. I'm leaving here today to both on Zoom and in real life go and deal with three resignations of pastors that go, we can't do this anymore. And somehow more than ever, we need the Father's love. Somehow more than ever, we need to realise what this is all about. And so we see that the condition of our world is it's a loveless, directionless, fatherless generation. But this is the greatest hour for the church. This is the greatest hour for those that represent Jesus, not religion, that we can rise up and say we can make a difference. And I've been fathering an army of young people in my home. It's not on a stage. When I got cancer and I didn't preach for nine months, the Lord said to me, you don't need a pulpit, you just need a platform. And everybody in this room has a platform. We all have a platform that we can be effective for God. If there's ever a time for evangelism to be not a program, 
but it's the positioning of the church in the midst of a broken community and be the answer. I'm not here to boast or promote, but our son Michael, who was so horribly broken of his own doing and of his own sin, now, 10 years later, he's, he's running a Lighthouse City mission in Port Adelaide. And just lately, we've been feeding between 1,500 and 2,000 people a week. But it was only four weeks ago that we baptised a whole bunch of them from the community who don't just come in for a handout, but a hand up to find that there is spiritual, emotional and physical help because the church is being the love of a father to a broken humanity. I've been talking to a bunch of kids that have left the church, young people whose parents are in church and go, we just don't like the church anymore. It doesn't happen for us anymore. It doesn't do it anymore. We've been to the mosh pit, but we still go home to our pit of discouragement, despair and identity issues. And God said, are you willing to open your home? My wife said, go for it. I open my home for these young men to come and just sit. Sometimes we just have a meal together. And they begin to open up about their dissatisfaction with the church, but they're not sure if they even believe in God anymore. I don't sit there and preach at them, but I share my story of all the I don't knows, but all the I do knows. I said to the men yesterday, one of the scriptures has been Ezekiel 37, when there's a dry valley of bones and there's death everywhere and God says to Ezekiel, can these dead bones live? What does he say? I don't know. Do you know, as Christians, can I say something today? You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have the answers to everything. We all live in the I don't knows. But we've got to know what we do know. We've got to know what we do know. And since losing a son, being through cancer, a broken son, another child that's struggling with faith, I have to know what I do know. I remember when I was called. I remember when I had my first encounter with Jesus at the age of 11. I remember God directing my life in every major area. I remember the promises He gave me when I started a church, 10 of them out of Isaiah 58. Every one of them came to pass, but he never told me my son was going to die. He didn't tell me I was going to have cancer. He didn't need to because he knew that he would be there with me through every storm, through every problem. When I felt I couldn't do it, he would carry me and put the right people around me to help me through. And when my son died, I went back to all the I knows when I couldn't handle the I don't know. And so I'm sitting with these young people saying, I don't have all your answers. I don't know why miracles don't happen today the way they did in the Bible. I have my thoughts on it, but my thoughts are just thoughts. But can I tell you what I do know? That's non-negotiable conviction. And one young man, I shared it with the men yesterday, but he came to my house to intellectually have the conversation we had a few meals together and as he walked out of my house, he goes, I come here all loaded up in my head. But I walk out of your house having had my heart massaged. He gives me a hug and he's come back to the Lord. He's not the only one. 
And there's so many. I don't want to stand before God one day and hear the words, well done, good and famous servant. Maybe it's well done, good and faithful. And what we do in obscurity sometimes has a lot more power than what we do in a crowd. I've never been someone driven by the size of crowd. Our church did grow large. Most of it was transfer growth. And so after a while, we became very deacon-possessed. <laughs> I'm glad you like that. That's not even a dad joke. Oh. And I've seen it all. I grew up in a church where my dad was the pastor, and it's an Italian church. So at the age of 14, I was the interpreter for the police while the deacons had a punch-up in the foyer. I've seen it all, guys. My auntie, we called her the ambulance. Because whenever she felt the power of God, she'd go, Ooh! I never brought my friends to church because I'm scared the ambulance might take off and I won't know how to explain it. <laughs> At a prayer meeting, we're at an Anglican church in Gilbert Street, Church of England church. We were, we were hiring it. And in a prayer meeting, my auntie's at the railing at the front where they have a, that stage area and she's shaking the whole thing. My dad says, what are you doing, Amelia? Her name was Amelia. She's passed away now. She goes, leave me alone. I've got the devil by the horns. <laughs> leave me alone. I've got the devil by the So I'm telling you, I've seen it all. I've seen all the churchianity stuff. But I'm still standing here today, not because I'm awesome, but because God is. God is awesome. That despite all our funny ways and despite all our beliefs, He is the answer. We use some scriptures only at funerals or at weddings that are meant for every day. But we read, and if we could put that first scripture up in John 14, 1 to 6. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you where everything is ready. I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We, know, we have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No other religion claims that. No other belief system can. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. So let's look at the condition just for a second of our world right now. It's lost its way. Doesn't know what truth is. Everybody's got their own truth. Ask Sister Oprah. Everybody's got their own truth. But we don't have the truth. So people are scared of their identity. They don't know who they are. Who's, when we don't know whose we are, we'll never know who we are. It's only when Jesus asked the disciples and said, who, who, who does everybody say that I am? In Matthew 16. And only one disciple goes, you are the son of God. The others were not so clear. And he goes, you know what? When you discover deity, you'll find your identity. And when you find your identity, you will find your destiny. And when you find your destiny, you will have authority. And when you walk in authority, you will live in victory. Yes. All in one statement of knowing who he is. Because when we know who he is, we discover who we are. And we have a world that said, stuff you, God, we don't want you. 
We don't need you. How have we turned out? I work for a flooring company every second Wednesday and I sit with a whole bunch of non-Christian people to sit with parents who are bawling their eyes out because their kids don't know their identity. Many of them going through gender change and all that kind of stuff and we need to have compassion and love and we better not be the church that points the finger but we need to point the finger up to God who can bring our identity clarity to us. And as I sit with these people and I see the condition of our world and I think back to when God called me into the ministry as a young, young, young guy back in Clemsic days that became Paradise Church. And I remember my first week on staff, I'm, I've always journaled all my life. And as I'm on staff, the first week I get the scripture in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end is the way of death. And the very next verse, while people are laughing on the outside, on the inside, they're full of pain pain and grief I was only a young guy I'm 67 now that passage of scripture has proven to be true that very first week on staff I had to do the funeral of a 19 year old girl called Janine who took her life no she overdosed sorry she overdosed on drugs I remember visiting her in a home in a shelter with her boyfriend and uh, she had a mohawk and uh, her boyfriend had a mohawk and I had a mullet (laughs) can you believe that now I got a beard because Sharon said grow a beard and pull your head and you might get some hair but that didn't work but I kept the beard and she's getting my hair and she's trying to turn it into a mullet and I've got to go back and work at the church and explain what just happened to my hair and I use that scripture Janine you know Janine there's a way that seems right it says in the Bible but it ends in death God's got a plan for your life she said it's too late it's too late my parents kicked me out of home when I had a child out of wedlock And they didn't want to know me anymore. And my child was taken off me because of my drugs. And my life is done. The next day I went back to take some food. Her boyfriend's sitting on the front porch, crying his eyes out. His name was Brett. He was wanted by the police for blowing a guy's leg off in Brisbane. And they were trying to find him. And he says to me, Janine's gone. I go, has she left you? She goes, no, she died last night. Right at the birth of my ministry, I realised... We're not here to do a job or to run a mission for our, you know, our name. But the condition of the world's not good. And the cause of that condition is saying to God, we'll do it our way. But the good news is right now, and I'm prophesying right now, that there's a moment about to happen in this country and around the world because God spoke to me about COVID and he said, post-COVID, there'll be church leavers, there'll be church cleavers. People that leave the church and only do church online because that's all they want to do. And there's church cleavers that want to go back to having the church the way it used to be. And he says, church leavers and church cleavers will not build the future. But there's a new army of Christ followers and Christ seekers and they're rising up. And I'm telling you, these are the greatest days of breakthrough for the church. We're gonna lead people to faith. I'm leading more people to faith more than ever right now. And I'm thinking, I love this. I go down to the mission and I see people come in. On Friday night, one guy went off his head and tried to kill my son. And so this is the kind of environment we're in. And I love it. Not that I want my son to get killed, but you know... (laughs) I'm thinking, let's get out there in the raw where it's all happening because we are the light of the world, not the light of the church. We're the salt of the earth, not the salt of the church. 
And we need the church to be the sending, blessing and bending apostolic voice to a community. The church needs to bend to the will of God. It needs to absolutely bless its community. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing in Gorda and what you're doing. It's not just a good idea. It's a way we can reach a hurting generation that doesn't know the way, doesn't know the truth and doesn't know what life is all about. And to think that we've been blessed to know him so we can show him. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you. None of that's in my notes, by the way. So I won't won't even start, okay? (laughs) But what's been happening to me over the last three months is discovering the cure and the cure is in showing the Father's love. Amazing the people I talk to that don't have a real issue with Jesus, but they have an issue with the church. And somehow the two don't look the same, but they need to, they absolutely need to. And I have been studying, now it's really funny because I do a lot of weddings and I do a lot of funerals. And I look at scriptures like 1 Corinthians 13 and just recently I'm going through 1 Corinthians 13 in preparation for a wedding And I felt the Holy Spirit say, it's not for weddings, you know. And I went back to 1 Corinthians 13, started to read it and started bawling my eyes out. I go, I've been a Christian nearly 50 years of my life, more. And I'm reading a scripture we skip over. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures and wins out. Three weeks ago, I read this in a church, different message. But what I did is I put my name in there because I think this chapter is about who Jesus is. It's a reflection of God is love and then says love is patient, kind. These are the attributes of our Heavenly Father. Through the life of Jesus, we see this. And I said, Danny is patient. Well, actually, I'm not. I need a lot of help, that one. You know, in the traffic, I'm not good. (laughs) And I'm getting more and more irritated at people cutting you off. and, 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 And a couple of months ago, I'm driving down South Road and I'm getting irritated and the traffic, and I actually turned at the wrong turn off and I'm going down the old south road and I'm going to get delayed and I'm pretty ticked. I was tickethed in the spirit and I saw a car trying to come out of a shopping complex and he was never going to get out. So I stopped, cars behind me, and I let him out. I felt really good. I thought, well, that was probably a little win today after how I carry on in the traffic. And then the following Sunday in church, a man comes up to me. He goes, Pastor Danny, you really live what you preach. And I go, really? You know, come on, tell me more, you know. And he goes, the other day, you stopped and let me through. When I was coming out of a shopping centre. And I go, oh my goodness, can you imagine if I had, you know, I would sort of behave differently. And then I thought of all the other times that I've done it wrong. And thought, I wonder how many people recognise me. (laughs) And I want to say this, it's not perfection, church, it's direction. None of us are perfect, but we've got to go on that direction. That going, I want to be Jesus to my world. I want these things to grow 
in my life. You see, better than church attendance is living a life of Christ resemblance. Can I come back next week? <laughs> I need affirmation, you know. <laughs> Better than going to church attendance, we've got to do that and that's great. But that's not enough. It's living a life of Christ resemblance and that's the cure, my friends, is reaching out and showing people that Jesus, that's the real Jesus and I'm not having any hold back or setback when I share the real Jesus, when I share what he did for me, when I share how I handled my son's death with non-Christians. They go, wow. So Friday night, I did a funeral only a week ago of one of my best friend's wives. He was in a band with me, a Christian band. And he, I did the funeral of his wife and one of the family members is not walking with Jesus. And Friday night, she starts texting me. She goes, I hate God because of what happened to us. Because she lost a child as well. She goes, I hate all this stuff, all this rubbish and all that. And yet something in me says, I need to talk to you. Because I don't know how you and Sharon are coping with what you've been through and can, can we catch up? And hopefully tonight I'm catching up with them. But I want to tell you, friends, it's not about how much we know, it's who we know and we need Bible teaching back like never before in the house of God for the believer. But there's a lost world out there that need to see through us what Jesus is. And I said to the men yesterday, well, I'm running out of time. I'll be real quick, okay? Have I gone how much over? Five minutes, is that okay? I, I forgot what I was saying now. What was I talking about? I, uh, no, that's okay. Uh, yes, yeah, right. I said to the men yesterday, that one of the guys that's coming to my house for mentoring, a rough life, his mother was a prostitute, he was raised and abused by men that were in his mother's life and just a horrible story. I, I, when I cry when I hear the story over and over again and he sits in my home and he goes, just mentor me, teach me. And so one day he gets his new Bible and he rings me and he goes, this Bible's weird. I go, Why? He said, because all of a sudden it turns to red. <laughs> he says, it turns to red. He goes, what's all the red bits about? I said, they're the words of Jesus. They're the words of Jesus. And he goes, really? I said, why don't you come over? You bring your journal and I'll have mine. And we'll just together go through the red bits. And as we started going through the red bits, I think I got more out of it than him. Because I've walked with Jesus all my life and I'd forgotten what he was really like. I was representing his stuff or the church's stuff more than who he really is. And as I began to study, I realised he sits down with the worst of sinners. He stoops down to the broken woman caught in adultery. He stands up for a man who's being persecuted and mistreated in Stephen. He stretches his hand towards the untouchables of his day and heals the unclean lepers. He sobs at the loss of a friend. He speaks life where there is death and he sacrifices his life for others. And all of a sudden, the red bits get hold of my heart and I think that's the cure. And if the musicians can come, please. I just want to give you a testimony this morning of what's happened to me. So I've been in church all my life and then the last few months, I just see Jesus everywhere. You know, when you, I said to the guys yesterday, when you buy a yellow car, you see every other yellow car on the road. I'm studying the book of Ephesians at the moment. And it all starts with because we love him. 
And because we know his love, even before it talks about the apostolic, the prophetic, the teaching, the ascension gives, it says things like, hey guys, love one another. Make up for each other's faults. Take care of each other. Because before we do, we are. It's not just what we do, it's who we are. We're human beings, not just human doings. And so I want to close with this today and I'll go through it briefly because it might help many people here is I decided to go back to the Lord's Prayer. And I went to the Lord's Prayer and, you know, it totally, totally impacted my life as I began to read it and I thought, wow. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. I have a prayer chair. As you get older, you don't sleep much. I sleep like a baby these days. People say, how do you sleep? I said, like a baby. I wake up every two hours. So (laughs) I go and sit in my prayer chair early hours of the morning and I go to the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And all of a sudden, I felt in my heart, Danny, start every day with gratefulness. Start every day with thankfulness. And I was sharing it with one of the guys at the carpet company that we need to start the day with with company, with, with, with thankfulness. And he goes, let me send you something I read last night. And he sends it to me. Scientific medical research says that in your brain, when you engage thankfulness, you can't engage anxiety. In the same part of your brain that engages thankfulness, anxiety can't be there. And God of the universe goes, when you start your day, start not with anxiety, but with thankfulness, our Father. And I've been spending five, ten minutes, I'd have put a time on it. God, thank you. Thank you that I had more time with my son alive than I'll ever have gone because I'm not going to live another 39 years all of a sudden your perspective changes I start thanking then says your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven you know what I do at that moment I let God speak I let God speak so I open my bible and I said let your kingdom come right now speak to me and I journal now when you go from let your kingdom come and you go give us this day our daily bread once you've gotten to that point you're not going to ask for a new car and a new house and you may want to God won't care but You're going to ask for the right things. Give me my daily bread today. Give me the revelation I need to help people. And as I journal later in that day, I'm counselling and I go, wow, I've got exactly for these people what they need. Let your kingdom come. You know, forgive us as we forgive those that hurt us. And, And God says, spend time praying about your relationships. Just spend time going, is there anybody I need to forgive? Is there anybody I need to say sorry to? We had that powerful word this morning. Is there anything I have to do, Lord, to make sure that I'm right with my fellow man? And I pray for my relationships. And lead us not into temptation. That's when I talk to him about my traffic problems. That's when I talk to him about my weaknesses. And I say, God, I've got weaknesses. You know, the minute we say we don't have problems, we're lying because we're all human beings and we're human and, we're spirit and we go through stuff. I used to tell our church on one decision away from becoming a total idiot. I mean, just one decision. You're bringing out the worst of me, honestly. (laughs) And then for thine is the power and the glory is my surrender. And I go, God, I totally submit. 
I totally submit to what you have. I submit to your sovereignty. I tell you what, I get in my car and go where I'm going and it's not about whether it took half an hour, 20 minutes. It's not about a ritual. And I've come to the conclusion, friends, that prayer is not a ritual, it's a friendship. Prayer is a friendship and I close with this. Once a man was asked, what do you get from regularly praying to God? The man replied, nothing, but let me tell you what I've lost. Anger, ego, greed, depression, insecurity, and fear of death. Sometimes the answer to our prayers is not gaining but losing, which ultimately is the gain. And my prayer this morning is, it's not perfection, it's direction. We have the cure. The condition's not good of our world. Things are going down the toilet fast. But I want to tell you this, the world doesn't have answers. The world doesn't have answers. God is opening doors, and I can't give you specific names, in some of the media area, in some of the areas that are controlling our world right now, God is opening the door for the gospel to come in. And some crazy, crazy things are happening, but it's not about us. It's about the fact that he is the cure. And so when I have that prayer time every day, it keeps him as the cure and it keeps him in the right spot so that it's never about me, but it's about a broken world being healed. Father, this morning... Thank you, Lord, that even though we ask the question, what's going on? We know that you know. And that, Lord, when we surrender to you and we become your people, your hands, your feet to a broken generation, we thank you, Father, that we don't bring religion. We bring a relationship, a relationship with the God of the universe. And, Lord, we can tell our story. We can tell our convictions. And Lord, they can become a river of refreshing for those that come after us who are so thirsty and dry. Father, I pray today if there's anyone in this room that's right now feeling uncomfortable with where their life is at or feeling, gee, I wish I could have the faith you're talking about. Well, you can. We all can. And it just starts by, hey, Jesus, we recognise you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And that's not just for people that don't know Jesus. That's for every Christian every day. For Christians in this room today, is Jesus still the way? Is He the truth? What does the Word of God say in every situation we face? And is He the source of your life? Father, help us today as we close. And I pray that we can just be here for people today that need to talk to someone and find out that you really are the way. Pray for that in Jesus' name.